Psalm 51, please. Psalm 51. If you're tuning in online, welcome to Little Sandy Baptist Church, 3569 State Route 331-3307, Greenup, Kentucky. We'll just cut all that out. There we go. Welcome to Little Sandy Baptist Church in Greenup, Kentucky. Psalm 51, if you're joining with us tonight uh, by live stream or listening later on. We've been talking about brokenness, the blessing of brokenness. And then uh, we find tonight is Brokenness and the Believer, Lesson 17 in our series on Psalms. Just picked out really two verses for the most part from this one psalm. We've talked about the meaning of brokenness, and then we talked about what brokenness is not, and what brokenness is, and that's where we are, really, what brokenness is. I'm reading from Psalm 51, and I'd like to read about verse 16 and 17, pretty much what I'd like to read. It says in 16, How, But for thou desirest not sacrifice... Else would I give it, thou desirest not burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Now, if you remember last time, two weeks ago, we gave the context, as you well know, David had sinned with Bathsheba, uh, Uriah has been killed, the child's been born, the child has died, David has not uh, admitted it so far, and Nathan comes up, thou art the man, he confesses, and this psalm is one of seven penitential psalms uh, in, in the book of Psalms, and so he's remorseful and severely uh, repentant over his sin. However, do you know that, that, I'm sure you're aware that David's life was never the same as far as ministry, although he was not was not executed, which could have been done for either of those two sins, uh, in Bible times, he was not, but his ministry and his and the sword did not depart. He had so many family troubles after this. And so we are talking about this idea of brokenness. It is a spirit of humility. It's, a, it's the willingness to seek what God wants. Uh, it's called, uh, Charles G. Finney called it the plowshare of repentance from, from uh, Hosea 12, uh, 10, 12. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap and mercy, break up your fallow ground. And so my wife and I are talking, uh, are, am I going to really want to do the garden all the time? It's going to take to do the garden because I pretty soon got to get that ground broken up and, and get the neighbor, Mr. Crumb, to come over and help me get the garden ready and all those things. If I'm going to do that, and I just don't know if I have the time to do all those things. And so we're, think, we're thinking that through. But that's the idea. It's breaking up the fallow ground so that the seed can be sown and growth can happen. Now, it's interesting, uh, I'm reading from a, a podcast, not a, uh, I guess it's a podcast too, but Brennan's Pen. He says this, in the 1600s, Galileo was one of the greatest scientists of the Renaissance. He asserted that, that Ptolemy had been wrong 15 centuries prior to the positing, suggesting, teaching that the earth as the center of the known universe. So Galileo said no. It's not the center of the known universe. And so he was condemned resoundingly because he disagreed with Ptolemy, who had said it was 15 centuries earlier. And so he had to defend himself. I like we put, I put it in your outline. Galileo's world was no more guilty than our own of thinking everything revolves around us. We are all of us prone to be egocentric. Indeed, I would argue that even good Christians do that. We want relief from our suffering. We want vindication in the eyes of our detractors. We want deliverance from our pain. We want restoration of that which was taken away. We view the word of God primarily as given to help us rather than primarily being the revelation of God. Now let that cook in your, uh, in your stew, in your pot for just a moment. 
We view the word of God, the bottom of one, primarily as given to help us rather than primarily being the revelation of God. When things, top of page two, do not make sense in our lives, we demand an explanation from God, but the universe does not revolve around me. It revolves around God. And so I, we, I, and I have been so guilty of this at times. Why? It's not about me. And, and the Bible, yes, it's a, it, it does tell us and gives us so many helps but this is God's revelation. How would we know about God if it wasn't revealed to us in his word? So this is about God. Yes, it's God's love letter. Yes, I'm not trying to say less than that. And trying not to say it's, it's important of salvation. Yes, it's vital. It's, it can't be, it's essential to learn about salvation. But this is about who God is. He is love. He's holy. He's all these different things. And we would not know about God had he not given this revelation to us. At times, it really helps to gain meaning of this word like brokenness. What is the opposite? It would be like a hardness of soil. It's like a rock-hard soil that the, the grain just bounces off of and finds no lodging, and then the, the birds come along and eat it up. That's the same idea. God wants pliable hearts, sensitive to the Spirit. The Word of God deals with the wickedness, the willfulness, and the waywardness of our own hearts. It was a year between Bathsheba and confession. That was, had to be, have been a terrible year for David. Uh, holding it in, trying to live like normal, live life normally, when you know down deep inside. And it, it's like sometimes in our own, I've, I've, I just don't want to see what's really in there. It's like you find something in the refrigerator you didn't know was there for like months. And, and you can see that there's mold growing in there. And you don't really want to open that because you don't really want to see because it might make a hurl from what's in there. Wow, we forgot that was in there. I just found up some cheese. That, I don't know how it must have been in there like six months because I opened it up and it was like green and blue and all those things. Didn't even get one slice out of that little package. And I think sometimes I'm afraid to look inside of what who I really am. And because I don't know what, you know what's going to happen every time I look in there? Yeah, you find things. And it's like, wow. But by God's grace, I can do all things to Christ which strengthens me. We are nothing of our own. And so the world's not revolving around us. Do you think that deliberate, uh, question five, David possibly was deliberately lying to himself or he had been self-deceived? I think we should say yes in a way, for sure, in some capacity. Brokenness is soft. It's open to God. It's like, open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. It's pliable to the word of God. How yielding is my heart? How yielding is yours? How, how long since you and your spouse have done business with God? How long since you or your family or your children have done business with God? Someone has said that confession is not the efficient cause of forgiveness, but it's indispensable condition. It is a necessary basis for forgiveness. That is confession. We must confess that we have done this. A little poem says, Lord, grant that we may hear you speak as truth within your word we seek. Reveal to us our every sin and make us clean without within. Do we really want, do we really want the Lord to reveal all of what we should? We should pray, Lord, if there's something in my life that's displeasing to you, show that to me. Convict my heart and may I respond the right way. We must adjust ourselves to the Bible, never the Bible to ourselves. Now, we have seen the adjusting of the Bible to ourselves across the world. 
the politically correct Bible, the gender neutral Bible, the acceptance of women and the pastorate, the, the acceptance of homosexuality as an acceptable alternate lifestyle. And if you're not doing the act, you can be same sex attractive and that attracted, and that's okay now. Just to be not acting upon it, so we're gonna say that's okay. And so we've had all these things come along who are taking the Bible and fitting it into their mold or reinterpreting or deliberately misinterpreting or ignoring to fit in their system. So that's the meaning of brokenness is a contrite heart. We are not fitting the Bible into us. We are fitting ourselves to God's word. Secondly, are marks of brokenness. And back in our, if you're still with Psalm 51, verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. 12, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. 7, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. And that hyssop was a small, hairy shrub. We talked about it before. Dipped in a liquid, and then the priest would sprinkle it or wipe it on the door. Perhaps they used it uh, the night of the first Passover and wiping the blood. I'm not for sure if they used it that night or not, but that's the idea. You take it, and we would use, I don't know, some bushy shrub today. Just take it, and just wipe. We would not use the exact hyssop, but something like that. It related to purity in the Bible times. This was, by the way, David's sin was not a slap on a wrist. Okay, David, now don't do that anymore. It was not that. This was a life-threatening thing. And remember, he says to him about verse 12, 2 Samuel, if you want to turn over there. I think it's about verse 12. I did not look it up today since I was not at the office as much today. How about 13? And because of sin. 13. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned. 2 Samuel 12, 13, against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. So don't you think because God said that through Nathan that there was a possibility that he might die and he realized he deserved to die? Okay, we're not going to die. However, you've caused a lot of problems, a lot of difficulties, and you will pay the price the rest of your life. Marks of brokenness. First, there's a repentant spirit in your outline. The entire psalm speaks of repentance. Uh, Peter spoke of repentance in 3.9 of 2 Peter. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's God desires all to come to repentance. For God so loved the world that he gave. And uh, I, I've been I've listening just to the last couple of days of podcasts from a young lady, a middle-aged lady who's come out of a certain belief system that did not believe that that word world means world. And, and she just so distraught and how it really affected her. And he's not willing that any should perish. Does that mean all are going to be saved? No, they are not. We understand that. But I believe God's, when Christ died on the cross, it's for whosoever will may come. They're all going to come, though. But if you come, he's, he offered it for you. If the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart, come. Repentance, then, is a radical change of mind towards sin and the holiness of God. And it's not just for the unbeliever. Are, are we repenting as believers? Revival is, remember, you can only revive if I were to pass out here while I'm speaking and, and then uh, Mr. Womack came up and jumped up and down on my chest and revived me. You can only revive someone who's been, a, what, alive. That's my personal. That's my own personal thinking. You got You can only be revived. You can be born, but at first time. But to be revived, I had to have been alive. So revival is for whom? It's for the believer. Salvation for the unbeliever. 
Revival is for us. And so it's, it's a, do you repent? Do we repent of our sin? Or are we, are we have that feeling of repentance? That's part of brokenness. I believe that David had been lying to himself, likely. The apostle John wrote to believers about sin. And 1 John just read it yesterday morning. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say we're not, we deceive whom? Ourselves. I think a lot of people can deceive from the outside. Well, we're not going to tell you about this, but we see it and that's just not right, etc. We deceive ourselves when we say these things. When was the last time, question six, we can best our sins? Something personal, not, not answer out loud, obviously. When's the last time we did as a songwriter? Whatever it takes to draw closer to you, Lord. That's what I'll be willing to do for whatever it takes to be more like you. That's what I'll be willing to do. Are, am I, are you willing? Hold your finger there, just let it go and look for just a moment at, at Job chapter 38 and 40 and 42. And this sort of ties in with the earlier, uh, we talked about the world revolving around God, not revolving around us and Job as a, what an interesting study it is, what an interesting book it is. Perhaps someday we will uh, journey through the book of Job. Look at 38, 1 to 4. And the Lord, remember Job was wondering why all these are happening. Why is it? He'd been questioning God. And the Lord said, answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. <coughs> Chapter 40, verse 1. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contendeth, 40 verse 1, with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproveth God, let him answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. The writer says, The simple yet vital truth is this. The universe does not revolve around us. It revolves around God. God desired to use Job for his own glory in a contest with Satan. Job did not like it much. And understood it even less. But God is God and Job was not. And in the final analysis, that is all Job needed to know. It's all we need to know. When you and I suffer, he says, we almost always make the same great mistake Job did. We focus on ourselves, on our circumstances, on our pain. In so doing, we are as wrong as Job was. To me, the author says, the great lesson of Job is that we ought instead to focus on God on who God is and what God is choosing to do with and in my life for his own purposes. My suffering is not about me. He says, my response to my suffering is not about me. Every bit of that ought to be about God. And look at 42 now. 42.1. 42.1. And then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything and that I'll no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself, and repent in dust and ashes. And in essence, what Job is saying, you know me, everything about me. I quite obviously know entirely a little about you and your way. In my smallness, I demanded answers of you, but now that I see you, I realize I was wrong to demand answers. 
I see you, and that is enough all by itself. I repent of my selfishness. Beloved, he says, the writer, the great need of our suffering is not for it to end. We repeat that. The great need of our suffering is not for it to end. It is not for us to obtain comfort. It is not for us to grasp the why. No. The great need in our suffering is for us to see God. To place him front and center. To give him the preeminence. To realize we orbit his son and not the other way around. And in seeing him, we will find him all we really need. He, all by himself, is enough. Just him. Yet when suffering comes our way, I'm the first one. Oh, please get me out. And look at all these things that are happening. Say, Lord, what are you doing in my life? What, what I need to learn and show me who you are. And this is God's revelation of himself to us. Yes, it encourages my heart. Yes, it gives us strength to go on. But really, this is about who he is and the majesty and glory of his name. That's what God's word, when we read his word, and it points us to him. And, and when our trials should point us to Christ. To learn about who, Job, all his trials, he, he learned who he was not and who God was. You can go, if you want to really get small, go to the planetarium at the Creation Museum and just see how small we really are compared to the universe. And yet God loves us. I was talking to Pastor Wayne. I said, Pastor Wayne, I was in Lexington. My wife was in Cincinnati and you were right here. And God watched over all of us all the time. He knows where we are. Knows where we are. There was a repentant spirit. There also is a resigned spirit. This means submitted to the rule of God. What is the opposite of a resigned spirit? That would be stubbornness, sinful stubbornness. Sin is a self-coronation. It may, I want to have it my way. I remember Frank Sinatra would sing that song very famously. My, I did it my way. I'm not sure he's singing that song now in the, in the next life, in eternity. I trust he truly came to know Christ as Savior. The throne of your heart, by the way, is not a duplex. It is not a, built for two. There is either one or the other. It's just like there's a single throne. Single. And either you're on it or God is on it. Christ is on it. But this resigned spirit, the opposite is stubbornness. There's a story that comes from a church in Scotland where the church had difficulty with one deacon who was bent on making trouble whenever he could. He was born, this, the writer says, born in the objective mood in the kickative case. He was so stubborn. He was non-submissive. The leaders of the church of Scotland came to their last straw and called a prayer meeting where they prayed, Lord, please help Deacon so-and-so. Please change his heart or take him home. And the, he held onto the pew and he could hear him saying in the back, you could hear him saying, I won't go. I won't go home. Brokenness is not saying, God, I need you, but God, you are all I need. That is it. We, in America, as, as things change, we continually have to, we, we're morphing into what we're, the country's going to be. Less and less freedom, most likely. God's going to be, what, we have to look at that. Did you see the pictures from last Wednesday? The, the, the house churches. God is what we, all we need. And when we have focused our lives so often on the wonderful things of the world, which are not bad, but we, if that's our focus, it's not right. We'd be focusing on God. I think one of the greatest tools that has kept so many people from truly enjoying and learning from God is the, the smartphone. All the media we have. I'm not booing who media. I'm just saying it's kept a lot of us from putting our time into God's word as we should. 
And, and, and it's, uh, I think overall, I would say for the most part, it's been a detriment to our society. I know you're going to say, ah, oh, pastor, you're just boo-hooing. I'm saying we think about the character of our people. Repentant spirit, a resigned spirit, a responsive spirit in verse 12 of 51, back to chapter 51, verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. David, page 3, sin had affected his whole person. In verse 3 of Psalm 51, we we see even his eyes. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. He saw that. His mind, in verse 6, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. All about his ears and bones in verse 6, and hidden in the, in the truth in the inward parts. How about his heart and spirit in 10, creating me a clean heart, renew a right spirit. How about his lips 13 and 15? Then will I teach transgressors thy way, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Psalm 51, 14. Delivered me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. It had affected it this cost of low living. They never tell you about that. They never tell you when you do this, then you're going to have to do this. Uh, when, when you buy that, whatever that is, you know, when you buy, your, I don't know if you bought solar panels, but I understand if you buy a solar panel, you've got to keep them clean. You got to keep them. The, the you got to keep. I don't. Think, one Mark Pierce was telling me about. It. He said, Pastor, if you buy those solar panels, if you're thinking about that, you make sure you got to have, be able to get to them and clean them off because that if they get dirty, it doesn't get near the charge. I think that's how it goes. You may not have told about that, or when you told about this, when you when you buy this vehicle, the tires cost you three hundred dollars a piece. I don't know about that. Or when you change out, it's going to be a whole lot more money than you know. Get you a wagon, four wheels, a lot cheaper. Thirteen thirty-seven. Of, of John, Peter said, Lord, why cannot I follow thee? I will lay down my life for thy sake. And later he's denying that. Response is spirit. It is, you're, we are looking at our lives carefully. It's Sin had affected his whole person. Uh, we are so fooled by the sin's grip on our heart and life. I will, and by the way, if you look at the text of other gospels, all the disciples said the same thing. It wasn't just Peter. So said they all, we are going to die. We'll, just, we'll die with you if we need to. And what happened when he was arrested? They all ran. The process of breaking Peter. Do you remember on the shores in 60, on John 21, the shores, I think the shores of Galilee? Was it Peter, do you believe in me? Peter, do you serve me? Peter, do you love me? That's what he wants to know. That's the key. Do you serve God because we love him out of a true love, true service? He was changed. Peter was changed. He preached at Pentecost with great boldness and, and many were saved and restored and empowered. Peter had a responsive spirit and also there's a restful spirit resting in the grace of our Lord. And Psalm 51, 8, make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. It's, it's seen in no attempt to appear great or to lord it over others. We are to put all things into his hands. It's the attitude of serving. I mentioned last time, I think, Ben Franklin's quote on humility. If I ever reached true humility, I'd no doubt be proud of it. No doubt be proud of it. And I've just read my life a story about a pastor and, and, and the church for uh, maybe it's for Pastor Appreciation Month. They gave him a, the, a big medal that said the world's most humble pastor. And they had to take it away the next Sunday because he wore it. And so it's, it's, it's not about us. 
Think back when Christ, we're going to talk about Sunday morning, he was washing the disciples' feet, an example of servanthood. Do you know they all were there and they all could have done that? I mean, the, somewhere there was a bowl and a pitcher and they're all laying down and relaxing for the meal and they all knew their feet stunk because there was never, you know what? You know that even a Jewish slave could not do what Jesus did? Only Gentile slaves were required and made to wash feet. Jesus laid aside his garments and took up a towel. And Andrew, I'm going to ask you to put you on the spot. Isn't all graduates of ABC given a towel on their graduation day? Towel is for, because their motto is life is for service. And so, so many are reaching for the top instead of reaching for the towel. And that should be our mindset. It should be, what is it you called me to do? What are these things that you might have me to do? And how am I to serve you this day? Our horns don't have to be tooted. We don't have to have our names on some big broad thing somewhere. God knows. And that should be sufficient for us. If God has called us to do something, we just do it. And he knows. And he, I believe, will reward us exceedingly abundant of all that we ask or think as we serve him. And let's just unhook, as Mr. Lauderdale would say on Sunday morning, we'll unhook the wagon right there and finish up next time. Shall we pray? Lord, this is such a challenging, just two verses, challenging verses. Lord, the, the meaning of brokenness, what it is, what it isn't, and the method of brokenness, and the importance. It is absolutely essential, I believe, if we are going to serve you in true humility. It's the idea that we are nothing before. Without you, we're nothing. We are. But with you, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And that's so the key. It's Christ liveth in me. Oh, what a salvation this. Christ liveth in me. And that should be the theme of our life, the theme of our song. We should be sharing that, Lord, help me this rest of this week to share what you have blessed me and how you have changed my life. I am not perfect. We all, you know, the world knows that. But Lord, I want to serve you. I want, you know, my heart's desire is to serve you in whatever capacity. May that be all of us. And may we make a difference as it seems the time is getting so short before you return for your children. May we be about your business. I ask all this in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.